welcome to A Creative Affair. And today, having a general catch-up, aren't we, Brian? Uh, um, rather than uh, launch into uh, a, a topic in depth, we thought it would be so lovely to share with you uh, what we've been up to lately and uh, some of the things that we've been doing. So, Bree, what have you been up to lately? So, I have been, let's see, what have we been doing? Okay, let's do it. We'll do a general catch up. And I I thought it would be fun to do, uh, I'm the one who brought up this topic, but I thought it might be fun to just kind of talk about where we are creatively and some thoughts that we've had lately about creativity and our own creativity and just just some general like meanderings. So stay with us. Uh, so I'm on a road trip. I left, I don't know, six days ago and drove about, I don't know how many miles, but it's like 25, 30 hours. It's like, it's a lot of driving. <laughs> and it's so, so because I'm attending my, I attended my sister's wedding and then I'm doing some other things here. I'm going to go, I'm in like central California, central Southern, and then I'm going to go to Northern California for a bit and then back here to my mom's. And then my, my mom is 80 and she said she wanted to go camping. So Ooh, we're, that sounds uh -huh. exciting. How lovely right? to take camping. Yeah. So we're going to go visit a gallery. It's called, uh, the new, the new Mount Whitney gallery. Anyway, it's called the Mount Whitney gallery. It's run by Joshua Cripps. It's in Lone Pine, California, and there's these really cool like rock formations called the Alabama Hills, and you can just go wild camping there. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do one night wild camping. So oh, that sounds be beautiful. And you're taking your camera, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. So I'm hoping to find like a little location where I can leave my mom to hang for a bit and I can go bounce around the rocks and you know, it's desert light. So the desert is interesting. It has this really, uh, a lot of surfaces in the desert have this reflective quality and the light just bounces around. I kind of can't describe it, but it, it, it lingers, the light lingers and it has this really, um, beautiful, it's like a magical quality, this desert light where, uh, it just, it feels like it stays light for longer because everything is reflective. It, a lot of times there's no, there are no clouds in the sky. And so when that happens, then everything is just, uh, it's just magical. And it turned the landscape kind of turns the color that the sky is because everything is just reflective. It's, it's just, it's just so magical. So I stopped in Joshua Tree National Park on the way and did the, a similar thing where I, I solo camped uh, alone. There was no one around me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Isn't um, that a beautiful mom, thing to do? Yeah. Yeah. My mom made me send her a proof of life photo. Magically, I had a little bit of coverage, cell coverage. <laughs> it's just, um, it, it made me think about this book I've been kind of reading here and there called Everything Beautiful by Ella Francis Sanders. I'm showing you, Lynn. See this? Look how oh, gorgeous okay. well, the book is. It's a gorgeous is. cover. Yeah. Right. And inside. Part. Inside is also like gorgeous and it, it talks about, uh, I, like I, I pulled up this quote actually, and this is kind of how I felt in Joshua tree. Like everything just kind of slowed down while I watched light change. And she says for one day, do everything just a little bit more slowly than you normally would and noticed what happens to beauty and I thought, I'm not on my phone. I don't have anywhere I have to be. I just watched kind of minute by minute and paid attention to what was happening around me. I could hear a coyote in the distance. I started seeing that some of the Joshua trees kind of become silhouetted, the stars coming out, the Milky Way. You could see it, you know, it's visible. So I can see the Milky Way visibly and the moon, this bright moon coming up. It was... it. You know, if you've been out camping or you're enjoying nature, there are things like this that happen that just kind of remind you how beautiful everything around you is. Mm. It's a it's a special thing, this um, presence, isn't it? You, you're, you're really clearly describing being present 
you know, with the landscape and with Mother Nature at the time. And it's something that I love to do. And when we're busy, it's really hard to do. I, I, I have an incredible piece of bush here in the city that I can go for a walk in. And I try to have my present moment in there and I'll sit down somewhere beautiful and listen to the lyrebirds singing and the, the birds squawking. But it is such a different experience when I do it in the wilderness. And it doesn't have to be pure wilderness, but somewhere further away where there isn't the phone and I have longer time. And so I find personally that there's this coloration between how long I actually spend in that environment, uh, the better the connection with it. And I've been, I love wild camping, as you call it, and um, we call it bushwalking here. And I head off for, you know, five or 10 days with a pack, trekking or hiking or walking. And I, as, I, as I walk along each day, I become more connected with myself and with nature. And the two come hand in hand. And by the, by the end, I'm totally relaxed and a different person. I've become something else. And it's, it's through this act of being more present with myself and present with nature around me. It's an incredibly beautiful thing. It is. And I love, now I love more of listen, being alone and like silent and just listening to my own thoughts. I kind of, I used to be kind of scared of them. And now I, because sometimes they're really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm like, I can separate out like, you know, oh yeah. Okay. Sometimes that's ugly, but look at this over here. So, uh, it's, it's just interesting to get to know myself, you know, having that quiet time. And I, I suspect that happens to a lot of us when we're in the act of creating, when we're really connecting to our, whatever our subject is, what we're doing ourselves, there's this thread of like creative energy that like flows between it all, you know, like, uh, I'm thinking like, like this big, like infinite connection, you know, like it, I, you know, I'm connected to here and that's connected to there. And I'm, you know, we're all, it's all connecting. I think, I think that makes my work stronger when I can have those moments to do that. Mm. It's a, it's really natural, isn't it? And I'm thinking of that word in so many different ways, like nature is as one way of being natural, but it's it's our place to be in nature. And I think so many of us have forgotten that and modern society forgets that. And we sort of move on to it, to living in cities and in our homes, et cetera, et cetera. But this process of reconnecting with it is incredibly grounding and it, it's incredibly powerful. And I suspect that because for you and I, Brie, we share Mother Nature as a, a muse and she brings uh, us incredible delights in making art uh, with her as a subject. So we have this other relationship with her um, other than just bringing us peace. It's, a, it's an inspiration to, to bring up creative flow and uh, to get us into the mode. And just listening to you talk about the light, like you – Obviously, we're connected enough and present enough to spend all that time noticing that the light's different and that you're in a different environment and you use the word reflective, the light reflects off all the rocks and the rocks have their own color. So the two colors, the color of the light and the color of the rocks mix together and we end up with new colors. We have a beautiful big rock in Australia called Uluru or used to be called Ayers Rock and uh, uh, it's a sport to go and watch it change colours at night. And really? it actually goes through all of these. It's a tourist attraction, not a sport, but that's me just being stupid. Right, um, right. Now I want to see it. <laughs> it, it changes colour as the sun sets and as the sun rises. And um, it's this mixture of the colour of the light and the colour of the rock interacting with each other. And you have this incredibly beautiful spectacle. And I can tell you, I was in um, the north part of South uh, South Africa uh, on the edge of the Namibian border at a place called Kukaboom Cliff with one of my heroes, uh, Freeman Patterson, on one of his trips. And 
we had one night when a sandstorm came and uh, rain and it was incredibly hot and uh, quite miserable temperature there. And uh, this dust storm came and then at sunset, the rocks were a colour I've never seen before in my life. And um, running around photographing and uh, being in this incredibly amazing light, it was, you know, it felt like it was a, a blessings from the heavens. It was one of those moments when Mother Nature opened up and, and shared something incredibly different. And every sunset was beautiful there and every sunrise was beautiful. But there was this, just this incredibly different moment because of the sand, um, the dust in the uh, sky that night changed the light to be so, so, so different and uh, glowy, very, very much a, a glowy, beautiful light. It's interesting that when we put ourselves in a place um, like, you know, you're, you're in South Africa, I'm in, you know, when I go to White Sands, it's almost always different. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I went to Joshua Tree and we go to these places and they being able to observe and notice and being present is very, it creates this inspiration that we can then take with us. Uh, I saw this recently, actually, while you were talking about South Africa, I was remembering that um, a newish friend of mine named Candace, she went to Banff National Park, which is, it's up in Canada. And she was posting these, uh, she's never been there before and she's a painter and she brought her, you know, brought a pad and her watercolors and she likes to do plein air kind of like watercolor sketchings. And, um, so she can remember and come home and like paint them with her, you know, acrylics and, and, uh, just, seeing some of her videos there with this huge smile on her face, enjoying this new experience. It, it looked like she, it really looked like she has this reinvigoration of creativity because she put herself in this, in this space, it, like a new place, doing new things with new subjects. And I, I loved just watching it happen you know, because it is kind of invigorating. I mean, I guess, I guess you could go there and be nervous. Uh, you could be worried about what you would create or what you would, um, what, you know, am I going to be able to do anything here? You know, what, what am I going to find? You know, where, where, do, where should I go? Um, but she just looked like she was just there for all of it. And I, I think she's really going to create some, some, a beautiful new work. She already is. I'm seeing her. She's creating beautiful new work because she has this new experience to pull from, which I think is so lovely. Mm. I am. Um, I'm heading off to a new place next week, Bree. I'm driving down into Victoria and going to the Otways and it's a place that I've always wanted to spend extra amount of time in. Uh, having driven through it and photographed it briefly on on a way to another place because it's very close to the Great Ocean Road and down on the Great Ocean Road, everyone photographs and goes to see uh, these incredibly interesting rock buttresses that come out, these monoliths that come out of the water. They're called the Seven Apostles and they're incredibly beautiful. And then right next to that on this huge peninsula is this incredibly wet green rainforest. And uh, finally, I found a few people that want to come with me and uh, we can go and photograph uh, that incredible bit of forest while we're there. And uh, I'm so excited. And I, hopefully I'll get some lovely, wet, misty, wet, miserable days that uh, just make me sing <laughs> photographically um, and creatively as well. I hope so too. I'm <laughs> excited for you. I am going to go to uh, Northern California in a couple of days. And this weekend, we have um, the Perseid meteor shower. So I may, I'm not a big night sky photographer, but I'm in it for the experience and maybe, you know, try some new things. And so uh, I'll probably meet up with a photographer friend <laughs> and, <laughs> and see, and just see, you know, I mean, who knows, it might inspire it might inspire something. Oh my gosh, Len, I created a new project. Oh, didn't you? Yeah. It's, <laughs> Are you going to tell called... us or not? I've been reading <laughs> some interesting research about whether 
telling other people about your plans is actually mm. healthy or not. And there's one side of the coin that says, um, uh, this is it. The research is actually in business that sharing, uh, a plan for a project can actually release endorphins and also and um, dopamine and you can get such a reward that then you don't even go and do the project and so that's how you get a negative result and then sharing it with a mentor or someone that uh, is going to be supportive of it and that's where the research is for some reason says that actually that's actually a helpful thing to do uh, and I've personally always found sharing my ideas it's like a public declaration that I'm going to do it. And then I become behoven, no, not behoven, betrothed to, to the idea that I've told people that I'm actually doing it. And they're like, oh, I've told all these people I better get, get going and actually finish my project that I said I'm actually working on. So, yeah, I find that uh, it's very, very helpful in my personal belief. So are you going to share with us? Yes, but hang on. First, I want to make a little announcement <laughs> because you said that like when, uh, you know, you do a start a project and then you feel, you know, like there's this urge to, um, because you've shared it, uh, there's this urge to like finish, right? You feel betrothed to it. So I decided to, I decided that my 365 project is done. <laughs> <laughs> And I really am calling it my daily slice of brie. And so I have about a half a year of daily slice of brie, but, uh, and I, listen, I won't forget to tell you about the project, but I think when I started doing it, it was for a really good reason. I, I wanted to share more. I wanted to, I, I saw that when I was sharing, I, all of a sudden these perfectionist tendencies came up. And so I was able to then tackle some of those, like, you know, for myself. And, uh, and also in that I, I allowed myself the, 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 I allowed myself to experiment more with my editing and just kind of play around. And, and now I've done all that. And so <laughs> And it kind of feels like, not that I didn't really want to finish, but it kind of feels like a burden because I have other things now that I want to share versus <laughs> the, like the daily 365 stuff, if you know what I mean. Like I can like shelve that and go that, that fulfilled its purpose. And now I don't need to do the 365 anymore. Like I don't, I don't feel con so compelled to like have to do it. It would just be for the going of the motions of it. And that doesn't quite feel right to me. So. That's a, it's a beautiful, uh, well, a beautiful metaphor for that is that the art's telling you that it's over. Yeah. And, uh, like you, I had just you, had this like, feeling. Oh, like, I, I can't keep doing this. It's not working anymore. This isn't right. You, you know, that even though you set that as a goal, that the goal wasn't right and you needed to try it. You needed to spend yeah. that time to find something. And then now something else has come on. So yeah, what's happened? What's rising up in its ashes? Okay. All right. What is rising up in its ashes? Well, I have some other like portfolio things I want to share, you know, like I want to take my time and work on some things and I don't want my time to go to working on that project just because it exists. I want my time to go towards this other thing I'm doing, but the project is just one of those. Um, I'm going to link to our episode about projects because you had talked about this like grab bag where, you know, you're out and you're like, Oh, that can fit into this project. Let me pull something out of my bag, right? And while I was driving, I just started noticing, and truly I've I've noticed this for most of my life. It's just now I'm making a new connection, which is really fun. And so I've been noticing that there are just, as I'm driving, that there are just interesting trees along the side of the road, you know, and we just drive right by them. Like, oh, there, go, there it goes done. Whereas if we're on a trail or something, we could stop and enjoy and kind of take it in, you know, uh, and, but, but when you're driving, it's just a pleading moment. And I'm like, but I might want to stop and photograph an interesting tree if I can. <laughs> and so the project is called tentatively roadside trees. And <laughs> I, I mean, duh, but I might call it something different, but for now it's just called roadside trees and it's no tripod. 
just handheld and probably only with my infrared because my infrared is my play camera. And so if I can just, even if I, like if someone else is driving, I just go, ooh, 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 slow down. I'm just going to point my camera out the window, you know? And so it's, it's that kind of a thing that I, I, if I feel a particular connection, I'm just going to try and make that happen. So, um, and I, it feels really fun. I don't know what it will turn into. It might take me a few years of collecting things to make it into something, but it sounds really fun. So because I do road trips, it feels right. <laughs> I love so the I idea one. that I love the idea. It's also have a working title and maybe the title of the finished work might become something else. I do that very regularly and the working title just keeps me focused on making it. And then I worry about what the real title is going to be because it'll tell me eventually what it's going to be. Or I, I might even brainstorm it with some other people or uh, I'm in the habit of asking Claire <laughs> to come up with great ideas and, uh, uh, she often furnishes the, the, the titles of things for me, which is very powerful too. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's so lovely. Yeah, I love I love having that working title because it it just kind of helps define it describes what it is more than anything. And I've actually not had a project where I'm like where I put some real constraints on how the work is made ever. So putting some constraints on how the work is made, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I can only use, I can, I, I can make a painting, but I can only use blues or I'm going to go on a hike and I can only use a fixed lens or I can only, you know, I don't know what it would be in writing, but it's narrowing your kind of narrowing things. I don't know how you describe that, but anyway, and I think then your creativity expands when you have more narrow parameters that you're working with. It Sometimes that can happen. We, we need to do a whole episode on that. I've got a lot to say about how powerful that is, uh, limiting choices. And uh, the more you limit yourself creatively, the easier it is to be creative within the boundaries of these limitations. And uh, I find that in uh, very, very, very powerful way of working. And I encourage people to really explore it and work with it. And I definitely do that over and over is set boundaries. And, it, you know, I get close to them and I push them and, and play with the boundaries as well. And I'm not talking about making rules that are stupid, that you right. actually act, you're, act, you're creating rules that are helpful for you, aren't you? You're, you're you're creating a boundary, a nice safe space for you to work in. And just because you create a boundary doesn't mean you also have to stick to it. You're allowed to jump out of it as well. So um, as you're making the work, you get to refine those boundaries. And by doing so, it actually helps us focus, doesn't it? I agree. And I also think like for me, the no tripod really helps define what this project is about. Like it's like a fleeting moment, whereas the tripod really means I'm studying it. I'm there. I'm, I mean, I can put my camera on a tripod pretty quickly, but uh, I, I, and I think they'll have a, a different kind of quality versus if I had, you know, if I could put my camera on a tripod and I, if I could put my camera on a tripod and really spend some time, you know, uh, making like small adjustments, but it also might help me refine that in with my, just my hand holding, like my actual, like being able to do that without the tripod. You do that a lot. I know. And I've been stuck <laughs> on my tripod for a while. So I'm trying to get out of it, which is, I feel like this will be helpful. <laughs> I just lugged my huge, heavy, I think it's a few kilos tripod to Tasmania and it's like a big one. I can, I can extend it up to eight feet or something so that it goes well above my head and it's solid as a rock and I love it to death. And for the, the eight-day trip in the Tarkine I did in Tasmania recently, I didn't get it out once. <laughs> I carried it down to one waterfall and um, I actually discovered that I could do handheld long exposures longer than I had ever done before by using the one of the modes that I hadn't really explored before. And I was doing uh, 
four second handheld exposures uh, of this mu- beautiful moving soft water and actually succeeding in it. And uh, I almost came back home thinking, maybe I got to leave this bloody thing at home <laughs> and start maybe. I think the next trip I'll just carry my small one and then maybe after a while I might even be able to dump my tripod at all. But working at night, there's all these cases when you definitely do need to use it. But I've I've found myself much, much freer working without one and having come from large format where it was impossible virtually to take a photo without a tripod, it's liberating. It's absolutely liberating. It's interesting what uh, new equipment or different equipment can do, like how it actually changes how we work uh, and, you know, the actual process of the creating that, Mm. you know, and by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, four seconds handheld, try and be still for four seconds. Just clock yourself. (laughs) There's a bit of a trick to that. I'm actually using the the high resolution mode. So it's actually composting eight um, half second photos together to get the four seconds. So I'm actually oh only ha- hand holding half a second and then the composting is actually making the frame a little bit smaller and it allows for a tiny little bit of movement in there. And uh, I was just blown away and I, I spent a lot of time playing with that process to see whether I could improve it. But Knocking it back to quarter of a second and ending up with two second ones seemed to be a nice sweet spot for me. Uh, I use an Olympus and so uh, these computational things that these cameras can do is absolutely incredible and uh, very, very exciting. But on my trip, I, I, I treated another one of my cameras the same way that I've been treating um, uh, my Olympus and uh, taking it out into the rain and uh, unfortunately <laughs> I destroyed my Panasonic camera uh, thinking that it was a bit more weatherproof than it really was and uh, it got a little bit too wet and not even as wet as I would normally let my other camera get but it stopped working so uh, I'll send it off to the repair person but I, I think the fingers camera's decided it's no longer mine. <laughs> yeah fingers crossed for you. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, it is, uh, it is interesting that, you know, to, it's helpful to know our equipment, right? And maybe this is the universe's way of saying, make room for something different. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's definitely the universe saying, stop wasting your money buying all new cameras and <laughs> just stick with what you've got. It doesn't really matter what you know and what you use, you still don't even know how to use the thing properly yet. I haven't read all of the manual. I don't even know how to use the autofocus part yet. I just still manually focus the thing. Yes, the universe says stop wasting your money chasing something better when you actually have something that does an incredibly good job and that you love. You know, it's the camera I want to use when I go to my bag. So, um, that's where you should be focusing is using that rather than getting sideswiped by possibilities and, and really good marketing. You know, what's funny is I actually kind of thought that my, that um, infrared camera that I got was going to be like that. Like I'm just kind of chasing it. Oh, it's just going to be kind of whatever and, you know, just something extra, but I'm finding more and more that I pick it up a lot more and it's it is becoming an integral part of my kit like i i almost have to have it now and so now <laughs> i'm stuck carrying two cameras everywhere which which is fine i'm not going to complain it's really it, it really might, is fun it, what it might have its heart set on replacing the other one no no <laughs> i'm sorry know. Well, I do love color. And so, you know, I mean, the, the camera can do color just does, it does like a false color thing. And so I'm mostly putting it in black and white and I'm shooting in black and white, but now I'm finding, I honestly, you'll be happy to hear this. I'm doing about 50% of I'm doing half and half. It's like half color, half black and white. And I'm like, wait, 
am I becoming a black and white photographer? I don't know. I have people <laughs> messaging me going, oh, hey, let me ask you questions about an infrared camera. And I'm like, do I know the answers to this? I don't know. I, didn't I just get it? But it has been almost a year. So, you know, yeah, it's been so fun. So I think we have to try things. Sometimes things work out. Sometimes they don't. And, you know, it's a, it's always a process of kind of fine tuning, but I, I also think like I felt, I've been thinking a lot about like creative intuition. Like I did a little post on Instagram about listening to your heart versus your brain, you know, cause if I had listened to my brain about that infrared camera, I'm like, why am I spending money on that? Like, you know, but I felt so drawn, like it was like a, I was compelled to get this thing. I was like, how can I get my hands on one of these, you know? And I just, I knew I wasn't going to rest until I had one in my hands. And I don't feel like that about things that often. And so I, I, I've been working to listen, uh, working on listening to this more, this, this internal voice and um, trying to separate out with what my brain thinks I should do with what my heart thinks I should do. And a lot of times what my heart thinks I should do is like some wacky thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm really leaning into like, okay, let's try that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try that. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, off we go, off we go to do that as long as, you know, the, the time and the energy and all the things work out, you know, okay, I'll, we'll go do that. So, and it doesn't, it feels good when you listen and you follow, like, I love that feeling. And so that's what, that's what the infrared camera did. Uh, that that's what it's doing more for me, but yeah, have you had that? I mean, you listen to, you've had a many years of listening to this. And it's the answer. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. if you have to ask what's the big secret to creativity, um, it's it's up there in the top 10. I haven't really thought about it too much into where it fits in that scale, but it's one of the biggest questions and the biggest answers is we need to be more in tune with our intuition. We need to be listening to our feelings. We need to trust it. Um, we need to learn to understand that feelings are a, a, a method of communication that our uh, inner selves has with our external self. It's There's a whole part of us that sort of, you know, this iceberg of consciousness that we have it's this tiny bit of our brain sticks out above the water and there's this huge bit under and it struggles to communicate with us it communicates through dreams it, it, it communicates primarily through feelings through gut reaction through a, a, a pain in your chest or um, uh, something happening in your stomach anyway so the more you can tune into your emotional responses and these feelings that they're telling you things and uh trying to work out what it's telling you is a lifelong quest but the more you listen the better your art gets i'm very yeah. very clear on this i am a strong strong believer that that intuitive part of you knows more than the bit that is conscious and that's what we battle isn't it we we you know, we're always battling our consciousness saying in our, you know, with voices in our minds and our thoughts, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, or we need to rationalize this, we need to have a reason behind that. But then underneath it's our, our body says, no, 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 not that way, that way. It says, go over there. That, that way is much more creatively exciting for you. Follow it. And uh, when you do connect with these uh, we're happier. Like it's, uh, this is when we get into our happy space is when we are listening intuitively to these uh, directions that comes from ourselves. Like it's all within us. Agreed. Like I'm stamping it. Yes. <laughs> we should put that in the like rules of art. No, just kidding. And I think that takes us actually kind of full circle to what I was talking about at the beginning, which is sometimes we don't have the opportunity to really hone in and listen to it. If we're not quiet, if we're not taking the time to stop and be present and really enjoy a moment where we're still and we can listen 
And I think about being in Joshua Tree, I'm at my campsite and I look one way and I look the other way and I'm like, all right, where are we going? And I looked one way and my gut said, nope. And I looked the other way and my gut said, yep. And so I said, great, let's go that way. I'm, I mean, you know, I can't go wrong. I'm like, well, I'm looking around going, well, I can't go wrong, but my gut says go that way. So yeah, we'll go that way. And I think in the course of maybe an hour at most, and I know you've experienced this too, and an hour at most, I came away with at least three or four images I really like. And maybe that's because the subjects were there, but I really think it's because I'm quiet, I'm present, I'm tapping into what my intuition wants, and I'm I'm doing that like slowing down, you know, like that quote I read you from this book, which is I'm slowing down and I'm noticing. In fact, I went out there and I just stood around. I heard a coyote, the coyote. I actually got kind of worried because it sounded kind of close and I was all alone, like solo. Mm. (laughs) Like, please don't come over here. I actually think they're scared of me, but you know, please, no animals here. Uh, No carnivores anyway. Bunny rabbits, fine. Saw those. Uh, But I think just stopping to kind of take it all in and breathe deep and smell things and just not move and notice is, is um, so helpful for me to, to do that, to be able to connect that way. When you were talking about uh, stopping the 360 project and starting this new one or adding, you know, into your creative Mm -hmm. bag, it's the same thing, isn't it? We, we say metaphorically, listen to your art and the art will tell you, but by concentrating on the art, by listening and looking at it, the response is an emotional one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, that's just a metaphor for concentrating on it and listening to yourself because the answer's within you. And the, the people say the art will guide you. It will tell you where to go. That's because you're concentrating on the artwork. And then you're listening to yourself and your emotions are then guiding you as to where to to take it. And uh, we've got to be really careful with some of these things, but I really believe that this emotional connection is where you need to spend uh, your effort practicing, learning to trust it, uh, learning to, oh, actually that's what's going on right now. I, I need to to be more intuitive about it and I need to listen to those things. I'm, I've, I've said this many a time on this podcast, but I'm more likely to cry in a movie today than I was when I was younger. And I really believe that my being an artist and practicing as an artist has taught me to be more emotional, to be more in tune with my own inner feelings. And it's made me more sensitive, although I think I was always pretty sensitive, but I've noticed this change over time because I'm focusing on it. I'm getting better at it. It's become my skill. It's becoming my superpower is being able to listen to my um, inner feelings and thoughts. That's awesome. Like I I kind of used to be that too. Like I would ignore and now I like want to feel all the things, you know, and when I was thinking about that 365 project, it just kind of washed over me. And I just had this gut feeling like it is finished. It is over. And not from my head, like, a, I don't really want to do this anymore. It's taking so much time. Da, da, da. It was like, I was still, and it was like, it, it was that connection. Like you are done with it. It is finished. Move mm. on. Time to move on. And I can trust that. The thing I love about knowing that is I can trust that. I don't have to go backwards and think about it anymore. The decision is made, it's done. And like, I feel there's a lot of confidence in that too. Like when you, when you have that connection with your intuition, you just know things and you don't have to question it and you can just make decisions and, and keep going and move on. And, and that's partly how your work gets better is that you're not second guessing yourself sometimes, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that trust. You have more trust in yourself and your art and the process and where it's going, even though you may not even know where it's going, but you trust your, that your intuition kind of will guide you along the way. And 
I just think that's a really beautiful thing. It definitely does. I've been working on my um, Tarkine book and that was one of the reasons I went on this trip um, was to add some more photographs on it and also to take a, a lovely group of clients and tour around with them and show them somewhere so close to my heart. But in my book, I've been looking for someone to write, uh, you know, this so much information and a big story about the Tarkine. And I, I had a, a dream just this last week or two. And in my dream, uh, I can see the words next to the photographs and read them. And there was this moment of realization that they were mine. And like every time I do a presentation and I'm showing photos of this place, I'm immediately starting to talk about the the logging, the mining, how it's in danger, how it needs to be a World Heritage Area and blah, 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 blah. And like when I spoke to the Royal Photographic Society and launched their annual general meeting, that's I gave an environmental talk about this beautiful place illustrated with my gorgeous photos to try and increase the awareness for this beautiful place. And this dream just like hit me in the face. Like I know the words because I've been saying them for my whole life or, you know, most of my adult life as an environmentalist. And then in the last few years, really focusing in on one location and going, I really want to put a bit of oomph behind saving this. And uh, it, it's one of my muses and really inspires me. And a dream that I had woke me up to this fact that stop looking for someone else to do this bit of work. You need to do it yourself. And it was so clear. And uh, right, I, I know my starting point because I've already done a talk just by re-transcribing that and starting that off as the basis of the words. The words are there. And I needed a dream to show me that. And I've been banging my head on against the wall against that issue. Who could write this? And I've been naming people and asking them. And uh, yeah, I need to do it myself. And what's a dream? Well, that's me dealing with my everyday issues underneath, isn't it? Sorting them out, telling me in no certain terms that, hey, you need to be doing this yourself, Lynn. It's intuition, isn't it? Totally. I love that you went through this process, though, of like thinking of who you could ask, even asking people. Like It's almost like you had to go through the process of going down the list of who could do it. And then you're until your intuition was like, until you, your subconscious was like, it's you forget all these people. This is you. Right. And so I, I think that kind of shows like in our own creative path, we go down like little side roads that we think are meaningless. What, what was that over there? Why did I do that thing? And they're not because it all informs us in our art in one way or another. It's just, we have to, we've got to catch up to our, our brain has to catch up to our subconscious. We've totally talked about this before. And I, I think that having an open mind and think, you know, kind of going, oh, well, okay, I did that. I wonder what I have to learn from that. And then, you know, going on and moving and going forward rather than spinning around about how terrible it was, or it was a failure or whatever, you know, um, like you could have, I thought, oh, I wasted so much time asking all these people when it was me all along. But I don't think that's the case. I think you had to go through all of that. Yeah, definitely did. Definitely did. Well, Brie, I think that's a, a, a wonderful place to conclude our conversation. I was just gonna I was just gonna say the same thing. <laughs> it's like we know. That's right, we know. There's an energy connection between, I'm in California this week, between Tehachapi, California and where you are in Australia. <laughs> hey, Lynn, I thought before we go, we could maybe take a minute to share like what we're working on or what we have coming up just really quickly. So you're working on your book. What else do you have coming? I've been working very, very hard at uh, uh, the Artists Club, which is a uh, uh, my new online art school and uh, based around uh, my last club, which was called Lens Club, and uh, trying to find uh, a better home for it and, and one that uh, is less egocentric around myself and my teaching but more around the, the community members on there. 
we were able to launch that a few weeks ago and uh, that's really, really exciting. We're just slowly putting people in there at the moment and uh, trying to figure out how it's going to work and how it does work. That's one really exciting thing. Tomorrow, Claire comes over and we're packing up and posting out another issue of Lens Journal and that's a really, really exciting thing. And while we're doing that, we've already done the next issue actually. So Claire and I will be talking about how we're going to work on our my next Tarkine book, the one that I was talking about today. And uh, I'm also in the back of my mind working really, really hard at creating online courses for artists to do um, cheap, short, quick courses on different aspects. um, I'm getting my head around uh, bringing that into the Artists Club and uh, how that's going to look and how that's going to work. So despite being sick for the last few weeks, I've spent a lot of mental and emotional time working out on what's coming next and I'm really excited for the future. So Brie, what's happening with you? That's awesome. I'm going to post links to all of that stuff. Uh, what's happening with me? Ooh. So, um, I have a couple of things. One is for any photographers, I'm actually starting a new podcast, which is fun because why have just one when I can have a second? So it's called wild women in photography. It will already have been launched. There will be episodes um, for you. Even if you're not a, here's the thing, even if you're not a photographer, These are stories from women and not just women out in the wild. These are like the wild, interesting women and they're all emotion-based conversations. So they're just coming on and we're sharing some experiences and that's it. They're just experiences and stories, which I think are kind of the heart of our craft and the photography. Like, you know, Len and I, you were just talking about how it's the emotions that we love and that we want to experience. And um, that's what I want to talk about. So that is um, right now it's August. So it's about to be released in September and I'm super excited about that. It's just me with a guest. So, and that's kind of it, but on the side, Oh, I have a couple of things. One is I'm doing some uh, photography, like photography escapes for women that are uh, more experiences, but they are adventures. So I have one coming up in November that is, uh, it's kayaking in East Texas in these cypress swamps that have all this beautiful moss and the trees turn in the fall. And it's just it's just gorgeous. So, um, so I'm, I'm excited to take women along on my own, like basically my own photography adventures, the kind I like to go on where I'm really like in, in the nature experiencing it. And I kind of designed this so that it would be for women, well, any women who want to join, but women in particular who want to adventure, but they don't want to do it alone or they don't want to do it in a huge group. These are small group adventures. And I I just, I want to support women that way. Hence also the new podcast. So, so there's that. And then on the side, I'm also working on the, this idea of sustainable creativity where it's not like, we know that creativity is kind of full of these uh, emotional ups and downs Um, but more to come on that. I may have already written, I'm going to do more writing on it. So you can go all out, share my blog and, um, some writings if, uh, if they're available you know, when this is published. So more to come on that. This is my long-term work that I'm really excited about. So stay tuned. There we go. How exciting. I'm so excited for you and, uh, uh, all the women that you're going to be interviewing. And, uh, I can't wait to listen to those, uh, beautiful emotional stories. And uh, I think it's a, a such a wonderful thing that you're doing there. And running trips, Brie, welcome <laughs> to my world. This is, a, I, I absolutely love running trips. And uh, Brie and I, one day we'll be running trips together, I'm sure too. So one day. Uh, come and join either of us at any time and uh, <laughs> uh, get to experience uh, some incredible places and be supported as a, a individual creative artists in a 
what would we say at a, a growth facilitating environment? <laughs> yes. Be supported. 100%. Yeah. Be thousand supported. percent. <laughs> I love That's that. That's what we're about, isn't it, Bree? Yes. Yes. We, I love the discomfort of growth and, you know, putting myself in new scenarios where I'm growing and, I, you know, honestly, three years ago, I never thought I'd be doing what all the things I'm doing right now. So it's super fun. <laughs> well, I think it's time to say goodbye. We've talked at you long enough. So thanks for hanging in there. And we love you. So, all right, Len, I'm signing off. So bye, y'all. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you for joining us in our creative affair. If you love the passion we bring to this creative content, please support the podcast by sharing with a friend, subscribing and leaving us a review. To find out more about Bree's work, including her gorgeous photography and mentoring in her Creative Confidence Group Coaching Program, please visit her at creativemindscoach.com. If you'd like to learn more about creative photography, you can find me at lenmetcalf.com, where you can find links to my photography school, videos and publications. I would so love you to sign up to my newsletter. Well, until next time, it's time to say goodbye. <laughs>